Well, isn't that wonderful, Miriam? And she knows her stuff, right? Praise the Lord. Let me get this situated. Well, praise the Lord. Saints of God, are you ready for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today to hear your Word. We thank you that, Lord, we serve a beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ, who is Lord of our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you just impart unto us the wonderful truths that you have today so that we may be encouraged, strengthened, and ready to do your will and your work. In Jesus' name we pray and all agreed said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus, beautiful Savior, and we say a lot of things are beautiful, don't we, in our lives? What are some of the things that we say are beautiful? Sunrise, Sunrise is beautiful. Babies are beautiful. Children are beautiful. Grandchildren, your wife is beautiful. You got to say that all the time, right? All the time. Praise the Lord. Grand Canyon is beautiful. Sky, the ocean, the mountains. A beautiful, you say someone has a beautiful face, beautiful smile, beautiful hair. All these things are beautiful. Beautiful weather, beautiful day. Isn't it a beautiful day today? Hallelujah. So these are all things. A beautiful picture, beautiful statue, a lot of things. But there's nothing as beautiful as Jesus. He, he is the most beautiful creature, person on the whole face of the earth. Now here's the definition of beautiful from the dictionary. It's something that is pleasing to the senses or the mind. In other words, it's, you know the old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Whatever you seem to think is beautiful, is beautiful, right? You, you, some people might look at a fish, if they're a fisherman, go, oh, that, what's a beautiful fish? And the wife will say, that's just an ugly, sloppy, <laughs> slimmery, <laughs> slippery, slimery <laughs> fish, right? Yuck. However, we know that in Jesus in his glorified state is beautiful to everyone who sees him. The description in Revelation is, I saw someone like a son of man, the Apostle John said, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Come on, talk to me. Lightning coming out of his eyes. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, just glowing, just hot. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he had seven stars, and his face was shining brighter than the sun. I mean, God in all of his glory through Jesus Christ was shining. And what did John do when he saw this? Well, nice to meet you, Jesus. No, he fell on his face. <laughs> Richard had it right. Fell on his face that I'm not worthy, right? But Jesus put his right hand on him and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, we've all heard about Jesus, and there's many people now who have seen Jesus, and I have followed them and talked to some of them. Jesus, though his eyes are, are fire, they're also with pools of love. When he looks at you, he just envelops you with his love, and he makes you part of him, and you're part of him. 
It's, it's like he looks at you like you're the only person on the face of the earth, that he's so concerned about you. He knows all about you. He's with you, and he loves you with an unconditional love that no one else could ever have. This is the Jesus, the beautiful Savior of our souls. Praise God. He has complete and total acceptance of us. His total attention is upon us, and we feel his love just drawing out to us and compelling us to be with him. It's like when John said in John 17, I in them, Jesus talking, I in them, them in me, and we all are in God. It's like it's one big spirit of life and love amongst the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and guess what? Us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's, Jesus is beautiful. In, in John 14, it talks about how Jesus said this. Uh, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Remember that? And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I go and prepare a place, and I will come again and receive you to myself. He says, I'm not going to just put you in a group and send you down the train tracks here. You're going to come to me. I'm going to receive you to myself, a personal reception to the Lord. How can he do that? Well, have you ever been to a service where the minister is ministering and it seems like it's exactly right for you, that he's talking right to your heart? That's the way Jesus is when, you talk, when he talks to you. I know this from, pers- from not from personal experience, but someone who, has, who went to heaven and Jesus was ministering to a bunch of kids, and she was a child at the time, and she said, he was speaking, but it felt like he was speaking directly to me, like he knew me. In fact, he called her out and said, come, come here, my child. It's not time for you to stay here. You must go and, and be, go back down to earth. And she saw all the animals that were in the... In heaven, can you imagine that? She saw the kids riding on the elephants. She saw uh, them sliding down the necks of the giraffe. And so guess what? When she came back to earth, she started her own petting zoo because she just saw how it was in heaven. And she wanted to duplicate and replicate that. So it's amazing how Jesus is a personal Lord and Savior for us all. Praise God. However, there's more to him than just the physical appearance. It's the inner beauty that he has. And this is amazing to me because the, def- the Bible definition of beautiful is not only splendor and brightness, but it also means kindness, pleasantness, delightfulness, and agreeableness. Are we agreeable? <laughs> Are we pleasant? Are we a delight to be around? (laughs) The Bible says that a woman who's married to an unbeliever, she should win him over by her meek and gentle spirit. Isn't that right? David said, your gentleness has made me great. So when I first got saved, I fell in love with the character of God, the characteristics, the nature of God. He touched me in my innermost beings, but he, it went right down to my soul. But I, I, I just loved his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his faithfulness, his long-suffering, his forgiveness with me. His long, has he been long-suffering with you? Yes. Now, the, greatest, the great thing is you can, be, you can have those same characteristics for other people around you. You can be long-suffering. You can be patient. You can be agreeable. Come on, talk to me. You don't, have to be, you don't have to win every fight. 
you don't have to put everybody down. You don't have to, you know, make your point. It's okay, okay? They'll get it someday. Amen? Be agreeable. Be peaceful. Praise God. Because what? His divine nature is on the inside of us. His beauty can come upon us, and we can, they can have that same experience when they see us. They see pools of love. They see pools of forgiveness and, and, and uh, acceptance. Amen? So you can be patient, you can be kind, you can be forgiving, and you can be long-suffering. Amen? Now, I, I retired this last Wednesday. So you... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jesus is beautiful. Now, also, he's a savior, right? If God thought we would need a teacher, he would have sent a teacher. Isn't that true? If he thought we only needed a counselor, he would have sent a counselor. If we just needed help with our finances, he would have sent a financier. But he knew we needed a savior, someone to save us from our sins. Now, there's things called a lifeguard. A lifeguard saves people. Isn't that right? Now, if you're drowning in the ocean and the lifeguard is there, you don't want him to come to the edge of the shore and go, you know, you should be careful when you're out there swimming because there's riptides and there's that sign there that says, you know, be careful, you know, that, you know, that orange sign right there, that says riptides. And I don't really like you guys anyway because I saw you coming down on the beach and, you know, I didn't like what you were wearing. Your hair is a mess. You, you, you gave me a dirty look. I don't really appreciate, you know, you being on my beach. Is that what we do? I don't really like the way you're dressing when you come to church. I don't like your lifestyle. I don't like what you're doing. I don't think that you're worth, you know, uh, you know saving. See, that's an umpire. That's somebody telling you you're out of bounds, you're out of line. We know, he, they know that. They need someone to pull them out and save them out of the water, amen? That's where you come in. Because then you have to do what? You have to love those that are unlovable. You have to uh, be kind to those that hate you. You have to extend yourselves beyond yourselves to reach those that need to know about Christ. Because then you will show them the beautiful Savior. Praise the Lord. Now, I heard this story. And it's on the internet. And some say it's true. I don't know if it's true or not. But there's this father that had a son. And he was in charge of a drawbridge. And the drawbridge was across the river. And so the boats would come, and he would do the drawbridge. It was a big drawbridge. He would, he would open it up, and the boats would come across. And uh, then when the boats passed, he would bring the drawbridge. Now, the drawbridge also had train tracks on it. So when the boat had gone by and the train tracks were back, the train could come by. That's a pretty important job. Yeah. So what happened, he brought his son to work one day. And uh, they were having lunch, and, and then all of a sudden, they realized, oh, here comes a train. we got to bring the drawbridge down so the train can come through. And so he goes up to the cabinet, uh, you know, the control tower, and he looks down, and he sees his son stuck, his pants are stuck on the gears. And he's going, oh, no. He, now he had the dilemma. If he brings the drawbridge down, his son is going to, you know, die. But if he doesn't bring the drawbridge down, 400 people on the train are going to fall to their death in the, in the river. What a dilemma that is. Do you save your son and lose 400 people? 
And so he made the decision. I can't let those 400 people die. So he brought the drawbridge down and his son passed away. And all those 400 people came by and they didn't know what had happened. And they're in the car and they're laughing and they're joking and they're partying and they're smoking cigars and they're doing all this stuff. And they didn't realize that a father had given his son for them to live. Do you see the correlation? Jesus, the Father God has given his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for all of us. And a lot of us don't even, not in this room, but others, don't even know it. Don't even know what Jesus has done for them and what the Father had, has done through Jesus. But we have to carry that message. Another story about a father, just to give you the understanding of it. The father was uh, uh, with his son and his son's friend, and they were on a boating expedition, and uh, uh, they got topsized, and the, man, the, the, the boys are out in the ocean there, and the father has one lifeline. And he says, who should I throw it to, my son or my son's friend? He says, I know my son is saved, and he's going to go to heaven to be with Jesus, but my friends, his friend doesn't know the Lord. And I would hate to see him go into eternity not knowing the Lord. So he said, son, I love you, and threw it to his friend, his son's friend. And he got saved. And when he got back in the boat, the, the son perished because he you know, was caught up in the, in the water. And so this preacher was telling the story. And some in the audience says, well, that's a pretty far-fetched story to tell, that that would actually happen. He goes, yeah, I can understand that. But I was the son's friend that he saved. So you don't know who you're saving. You don't know who you're giving your, your life to. So be that for someone else. Praise the Lord. Amen. So um, I want to tell you uh, as we go into the second half of this message, in Matthew 1.23, it talks about uh, the angel appearing to Mary, not the way we saw it here. But it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And we always hear that scripture in December around Christmas time, right? But guess what? We need to know that every month of the year. Amen. December, January, February, March. We need it every day. We need it every month. We need it every year. We need to know that God is with us. Now, God was with the three Hebrew boys, wasn't he? When they went into the fiery furnace. See, God will come to you and he either bring you out or bring you through. Right? Yeah. He, he could have prevented them from going into the fiery furnace, couldn't he have? Couldn't have Jesus done that? Couldn't have God the Father done that? He didn't, though. He made them go through it, and guess what? He was with them in it. Whatever fire you're in, God is with you in it. Whatever situation that you're facing, oh, it's just too unbearable. I just can't live with this person. I can't just live with this situation. I can't handle my job. God is with you. Amen? And the three Hebrew boys, they were bold about it, weren't they? They, because what happened was the king, was, he made this idol, and he said, listen, you know, we're going to play some music, 
and you guys need to bow down when the music plays. And they didn't. And so he said, come over here. I'll talk to you one more time. So we're going to do this again. And now I want you to bow down when the music plays. You got it? He said, don't, you don't have, listen, let me give you a spoiler alert. We're not going down. We're not bowing, okay? Play all you want. Throw us in the fire if you want. God will deliver us. Now, they didn't know how he was going to deliver them, did it? Do you know how God's going to deliver you? Richard and Sally had a fiery experience. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how God was going to deliver them, but God comes through every time. Ernie gave me a, a scripture in Jeremiah 32, 40. He says, the Lord says, I will never get tired of doing good for you. Never get tired of it. I'll keep doing it over and over. Joseph, he was taken from his family, sold into slavery. But the Bible says what? God was with him and made him to prosper in everything that he did. Daniel in the lion's den. Could God have prevented him going into the lion's den? Could he prevent you from going through the, some of the situations that you're going through? No, but it's there to perfect you, to have you depend upon him and watch him work. I mean, what would, what would our Old Testament stories be without these, these examples? Come on, no Daniel, no Joseph, no David with the Goliath. Uh, we wouldn't be able to tell the kids any stories. <laughs> But God was with him. Right? Daniel went into the lion's den. And God was with him and shut the mouth of the lions. You ever have, you go into, I've had it to me, go into work. And the Lord shut the mouths of those that are accusing you. People that are trying to come against you. He'll shut their mouths. Amen? God is a good God. He doesn't want, you know, here's the amazing thing. Are you ready for this? God wants to be with you. As gnarly as we are, as hard to get along with as we are, with all the attitudes that we have and all the wayward ways that we have, he doesn't want to leave you or forsake you, he says. You ever have people where you're just like, okay, you know, that's enough, okay. <laughs> Can't we just be alone for a while, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you married folk ever feel that way. <laughs> but God says, no matter how you are, I want to be with you. Isn't that an amazing thing? The God of all creation says, I don't want to take a break. I want to be with you in the good times, the bad times, when you're winning, when you're losing, when you're victorious, and when you're uh, not victorious. He said, I, I, I want to be with you. I want to help you through this. This is, to me, it's amazing. In your highest times, in your lowest times, when you win, when you lose, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you triumph, when you have tragedy, God says, I still want to be with you. I, I had one fellow, heard one fellow, he was talking to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, how do you feel about sports? Do you mind that we watch sports? He says, no, I don't mind that you watch sports. I just wish you would bring, watch it with me. How, how many of you, because he, he enjoys doing what we like doing. How many, how many men here like to pl play with dolls? Anybody like here like to play with Ernie, don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Lamont, you like to play with dolls? No. But what if you're babysitting your cousin or your nephew or your niece and, and, and you have girls in the house and they want to play with dolls? You'll play with them because you want to be with them. Right. Doesn't a father play dolls with their kids? Mm-hmm. God said, I'll, I'll play with you. I'll be with you. And when you got God on your side, as Lamont was singing, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, you, you can get kind of bold and, and kind of, you know, confident when you got somebody with you that's, that's pretty strong. Like if you had an incredible Hulk as a friend. I always wanted to either have him as a friend or have him be me, you know. <laughs> Somebody say something mad to me. You know, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> have a Superman as a friend or... Any kind of superhero. I remember the closest thing I got to it is I had this dog that I was babysitting. His name was Aku. Yeah, that's what I said. What does that mean? I should have known. It means killer. And uh, he was a Doberman pincher. And I had to babysit him for uh, a month. And I didn't know much about dogs. But anyway, here comes this Aku. And this guy is like stud on wheels. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. I'm going like... Okay, how do, you, how do you run this thing? He says, well, just, you, you, you'll, you'll learn, you'll, you'll flow with it. So I took him out for a walk <laughs> to the park. And in those days, we didn't have to have leashes. So I didn't have the leash, and so I just walked with him. And he saw a dog, and he would take off, uh, take off after him and, get, and just stare him down like this, you know. And when they moved, he'd grab him by the back of the neck and just shake him, you know. He did this like a lot of times. And he was rough and tough and he didn't take no stuff. He was so bad. How bad was he? When I would walk down the street with him, the people on the other side of the street would cringe and go into their houses. They're like, whoa. He was so bad. He, that he was so bad that when I went down the street, and in those days you didn't have to have the pooper scooper, he would poop, he would poop on the people's lawn, and they would look out the window and they'd go, oh, it's okay, it's all right. You're okay. We'll get it, we'll get it. That's how bad he was. You know how bad he was? He was so bad that when I was a salesman, and I was in San Diego, and I was coming back home, and I was going a little bit over the speed limit, maybe, what, one or two miles, maybe, and the, pl- the policeman pulled alongside of me, and this Aku dog was in the back seat, you know, like standing up on all four, all, you know, all fours like this, and he just looked at the dog, and he got on the mic and said, would you please reduce your speed? He did not want to have anything to do with the dog. I- I bet, I bet. But you know what? You got God on your side. Who would want to mess with you? Touch not thou anointed. If they mess with you, they're, they're messing, they're, they got trouble. So, so God is with you. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. See, uh, with God, what? All things are possible. Outside of God, everything is overwhelming. I can't handle it. Can't handle my finances, can't handle the economy, can't handle the the strife that's going on, can't handle the violence that's going on. But with God, you can handle everything. Everything is achievable. Praise God. 
just checking to see if I forgot anything here. But I want you to be encouraged that you know that God is for you, that he's with you, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And with God, all things are possible. And so why is he with us? He, he's with us so we can take, out, take the good news to those that don't know that, to don't know that he wants to be with us so much, so longingly. And, and my question is, do you want to be with him as much as he wants to be with you? He says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. When you like something more than me, I, I, I get offended. I, I get jealous. Why do you like, you know, sports more than me? Why do you like, you know, family more than me? What he say? He says, unless you love me more than your mother and your father, you know, I have nothing to do with you. I mean, he wants to be first in our life. He wants you so much. My wife, she says, I just want you to be in the same room with me. Okay, babe. <laughs> Let me just sleep right over here. <laughs> but that's what God wants. He wants to be with us. And he wants us to go into all the world, right? And preach the gospel. Okay, last thing. Here it is. He wants, us, he wants to be with us so much. Are you guys familiar with the disciples that were on the road to Emmaus? After his death and resurrection, Lamont, I'm sure you know that, wrote to Emmaus. And so the disciples were walking. They were talking about, well, we thought Jesus was going to be the redeemer. We thought he was going to take over again. And, and so Jesus pulls up, up alongside and says, what you all talking about? He says, we're talking about Jesus and how he, we thought he was going to be the redeemer and restore the kingdom to Israel. And he says, oh, really? He says, have you not heard? Are you the only one here that has not heard? And so as they walked, Jesus talked with them for seven miles. He walked and described the scriptures, opened up the scriptures, and they said, did, did not our heart burn? Then after he talked and walked with them for seven miles, he had dinner with them. Then he spent the night. The glorious king has time for you. He wants to spend time with you. Do you want to spend time with him? He's glorious. And the more you spend time with him, the more he kind of penetrates into your heart and gives you that wonderful feeling to know that he is the beautiful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for bringing us together to hear your word today. We just rejoice in knowing that you are our risen king. You are our Savior, and you're the one that we live for. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Lord, impart unto us just the joy of your salvation so that we may know and experience your presence, your fellowship, and your relationship that you want to have with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.